0: Welcome. Here at Waterstone, we invite you to find your story within God's bigger story. We're a church that lives for something bigger than ourselves and is passionate to proclaim and demonstrate the way of Jesus. As we celebrate Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter, we reflect upon the resurrection, upon the cross, and the sacrifice of Jesus. Through this, we are reminded that no matter what we face today, what we've been through, or what uncertainties tomorrow may hold, Christ has risen. He conquered death, and in his victory, we live free. We're glad you're here to celebrate with Waterstone. If you would like to visit and attend in person, join us for our weekend services Saturday evening at 5 or Sunday morning, 9 and 10.30. Welcome to Waterstone. Uh, Thank you for celebrating Easter with us. I don't know if you know this, but this is one of the only days of the year where most of the men in our church tuck in their shirts. Um, So it's a celebration for that reason uh, as well. But it is so great to be with you. You guys look great and uh, excited for this morning. Uh, Any pranksters in the room? like me, it's okay. I, I went first, so if you're a prankster, you don't have to, to be shy. Okay, one shy hand, that's okay. Uh, when I was in college, my buddies and I, we loved to play pranks on one another. We went to a small school in Arkansas, small town, so there wasn't a lot to do, so we created things to do, and most of that involved pranking one another. There was one prank that we loved to do, which is, uh, I don't know if any of you have, have seen this or heard of this, but you put chicken bouillon cubes in the shower head. and so when someone takes a shower, just chicken bread pours out on them. It's a little gross. They stink for a while. Um, It's really hard to get. That was a great one. We would also, uh, we would freeze someone's bed sheets. So we would just take all their sheets, make them wet, and then just put them in the freezer. And so they're trying to like go to sleep. They have no sheets and they can't get them unwrinkled. (laughs) Sometimes, I'll be honest, the, the pranks went a little too far. Uh, one time we created a, a Facebook account of a girl um, who connected with one of our friends, and, and they dated for a while. And if that wasn't too far already, we actually had him drive four hours to go meet with her. She stood him up, and that was the point where we are like, wow, guys, I think we need to back off. This is a lot. <laughs> um, so, and that's the problem with pranks, is they often go too far. They escalate. And you often end up in situations where you think, this is not good. The story I'm about to tell you is one of those situations. So in this small college town, there was only a few places uh, where people were buried. There was only one or two cemeteries, and one of the cemeteries happened to be right across the street. From our school. Now, this cemetery is one of those old places. There's a lot of history. There's the, the old tall tombstones, and, and people have been buried there for hundreds of years. It's a place that you know, you, you kind of deserve some respect. Uh, high school kids in the town like to go there to make out, so that was <laughs> what they did, and we, my group of friends, we like to go to the cemetery to scare the kids who were making out in high school as a way to, to prank them, and so one night we were looking through the cemetery trying to find kids that we could prank, and we see two kids having some fun by the tombstone and we decided, okay, we're gonna go sneak up on them and scare them, but we decided we were gonna try to have twice the fun. And so we split into two groups. One group went around a long way, and then the other group that I was a part of, we were gonna sneak up on them first and scare them into the other group. Twice the fun, twice the scare. Now, what happened is as we were creeping closer to them, the first group, we realized that we were not coming up on two kids having fun, we had come across two men who were in a graveyard in the middle of the night digging. A little frightening, and remember this is Arkansas, so you don't know what you're going to find in Arkansas. Hopefully no one here is from Arkansas. Uh, But yeah, so we find these two men talking to each other, digging, in the graveyard, and for any kids in the room, they were probably planting bushes, like that's, they just decided to plant bushes in the middle of the night. We come across them and, and I, we're terrified because these are two men who are digging, they're up to no good, and so we decide we need to start creeping back, we need to get out of this situation, we're in a situation we do no longer want any part of it, and as we're trying to, to kind of sneak back quietly, uh, they stop digging and look up in our direction. And I have never been so terrified in my life. I stop in my tracks and I begin just promising to anything I can think of that I will be a good person. I will never do any pranks again. I don't want any part of this. And then one of the weirdest things of my life happens. These two men crawl out of the grave and they start messing with a boombox. And all of a sudden, Thriller by Michael Jackson starts playing. And then, to make things even weirder, all of the graves that they've dug up, the people start jumping out of them, dead bodies, and they start dancing choreographed flash mob style to Thriller by Michael Jackson. Okay, now at that point, if you believed anything I said, the moment I say dead people started coming and dancing to Thriller by Michael Jackson, you know that your pastor just lied to you and you're kind of confused because you think, should he do that? Right? Because when you hear that people jumped out of their graves, you know the story is absurd. It's nonsense. It's ridiculous. Dead people don't dance to Thriller. Dead people stay dead. And yet, for 2,000 years, Despite the seeming nonsense, the church of Christ has gathered together year after year on Easter to proclaim the same truth that he is not dead, that he is risen. That is the story that we proclaim. And just so we're all on the same page, there are some who, who might argue against the resurrection and say, well, Jesus only only rose symbolically, or, or Jesus' teachings live on, they're, they're timeless, or the followers of Jesus, the, the spirit of what he stood for lives on in them. But Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. When we say he has risen, the story that we are proclaiming is just that. The story that Christians have believed for for thousands of years that God created the world and and he created it in perfect harmony until mankind broke it. And so God, in order to, to reconcile and fix the broken world, he became like the men he created in the person of Jesus. And the men he created crucified him and killed him. And and we don't believe that Jesus was mostly dead. We don't believe that Jesus was just unconscious or comatose, and we don't believe that Jesus was just partially dead. We believe that Jesus was dead, dead, all dead, completely dead until he wasn't, until he was alive. He is alive, he is risen. That is the story that we proclaim at Easter. And you may be sitting here thinking, that's absurd. That story is dumber than the one he told about the graveyard. And that's okay. You're not alone. In fact, the first followers of Jesus, the people who first heard the story that he had rose from the dead, did not believe it either. In fact, when they heard the story, they thought it was stupid, useless nonsense is what they say and they didn't believe it. You may even be a follower of Jesus and have trouble with the absurdity of the resurrection because we all know dead people stay dead. And if that's you this morning, I want to say it is okay to struggle with this. I'm actually not here to prove that the resurrection happened. What I would like to have a conversation today about is why the resurrection matters. Because if the resurrection happened, it changes everything. Easter changes everything. See, what we believe in Easter is that it is a promise for our future and it is a possibility for our present. See, the promise of the resurrection, the promise of our future is that Jesus has conquered death. That is quite a claim. If you think of all of the people throughout history who have conquered, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Genghis Khan, great conquerors in their own right, they conquered the known world, and yet each of them met the same fate. They died. They could not conquer death. Death is the enemy none of us can conquer. No matter how many smoothies we drink, or how many gyms we join, or how many organs we replace, death is inescapable. It is unconquerable until Jesus. And you see these women who, who watched Jesus die. They're going to the tomb. And as they, they come to the tomb, things are not the way they're supposed to be. The stone has been rolled away, and they find Jesus' body missing. And then two men in clothes that shine like lightning say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. You see, because from the beginning of time, from the moment that we broke God's creation, he had promised that a conqueror would come, someone who would slay death, who would defeat death. That first proclamation that he is risen is the proclamation that that promise had been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the one who conquered death. Easter changes everything. And I know that some of you are here today. Been grieving this week because I know so many in our community have felt the stain of death. We've felt the emptiness that death brings. We've felt that instinct to pick up the phone and call a loved one only to remember that they're gone. We've felt the finality of death. And yet, the promise of Easter, the promise of the resurrection is that Jesus has conquered death. The promise of the resurrection is that that death is, is simply a comma, not a period. That because Jesus rose from the dead, he has conquered death, and one day we will live in a future where death is no more. The story we proclaim is that one day Jesus will return and wipe every tear from our eye and death and pain and suffering will be no more. That because he has risen, we too shall rise. That is the promise of Easter. Easter changes everything because death has been defeated. But it is not just a a promise for some distant future. We believe that the resurrection has implications for our life now, that, that resurrection through Jesus is possible in this life now. That we don't only simply experience resurrection after death, but we can have the fullest expression of life because of what Jesus has done in this life now. That is the possibility that resurrection brings. And yet, I say possibility because so many of us miss it. We miss it. Jesus has promised that we can have eternal life now. Why do we miss that? See, I think that the answer to our question is actually found in the question that the angels give to the women. As they approach the tomb, they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? That is a question that has has echoed throughout history. Because we all do that, don't we? We look for things that we think will give us life, only to find death. We look for things that think will give us the meaning we're longing for, and they cannot deliver on the life we are searching for. We do this in so many different ways. We, we look for, for the life we want in, in accumulation, the stuff we have, or, or in accomplishment, the stuff that we can do, or affirmation, the ways that people love us. Some of us spend our whole lives searching for life through the experiences that we have. Thinking that another stamp on our passport or another hookup or another time at, at brunch will just fill us with the life and meaning that we long for. If we take the time to pause and examine our lives, I think most of us would find we do not experience the resurrection life that Jesus says is possible in this life. See, Jesus promised and said that he is the resurrection and the life. He said that that he is the one who has come to give us the fullest expression of life, the abundant life. But it is only possible to find that life in the presence of the resurrected of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to nuance that a little bit because I really dislike when, when pastors or the church sometimes say that you will only find a happy life if you follow Jesus or that you can only have the good life if you believe in Jesus. I simply don't believe that's true. It turns out brunch at Snooze on a sunny Colorado morning tastes just as good whether or not you believe Jesus rose from the dead. And yet, and yet the possibility is that when we give our lives to Jesus, he has the power because he has conquered death to bring resurrection life to us now. It means that our our marriages that are dying and and hopeless can be resurrected. It means that our addictions that plague our lives and suck the life out of us can be resurrected. It means that our hopes and our, and our, our fears and our anger and our anxiety and our depression can all be healed and resurrected through the power of Jesus' resurrection. That is our hope. And it doesn't mean that that all of the things in our life, all of the the pains just simply magically go away. What it does mean is that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the weariness of this life, in the midst of the moments of emptiness and loneliness and doubt, we find Jesus triumphant over death. We find Him shockingly alive and present to us in ways we could never have imagined because He has conquered the grave and death and darkness. We can experience life now in this life. Easter changes everything. It is a a promise for our future and a possibility for our present. You may be sitting here today thinking, That's great, it's a great story, still just as absurd as the one you told at the beginning. That's okay. You may be here in this moment and think that I believe in Jesus, but my situation is too hopeless. The resurrection doesn't have the power to to touch my life. My marriage is too far gone, this addiction has, has been there too long. And we simply can't believe the absurdity that Jesus has the power to do something. Again, you're not alone. The first disciples, the first people who heard this story did not believe. And yet I love the response of Peter. He goes to the tomb. He runs to the tomb when he hears this news, not believing, but searching, wondering, wondering. And he gets to the tomb and he sees that it's empty he sees the linen that had wrapped Jesus dead body and he wonders to himself what is going on that's the invitation of Easter come and see because I believe this if you come and see Jesus will show you that he is still alive Jesus will show you that he has risen from the dead See, something changed in those disciples. They thought that he was dead. They watched him die, and then they began talking about him like he was alive. Because Jesus is risen. Easter changes everything. And so, despite the absurdity, despite the ridiculousness of the claim that someone came back from the dead, the church has gathered together to proclaim, He is risen. Would you proclaim that story with me now? He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. risen. Amen.